Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. Today, we're talking about successfully managing the biggest migration in Denham's history, and that's with Jamie Watson, Senior SEO Manager, uh, sorry, SEO Marketing Manager at Dunelm, and Marcos Alvarez-Martin, Senior SEO Analyst here at Site Visibility. You might have heard him a few episodes ago. So, what I wanted to do with with migrations, and um, we've covered migrations on the podcast in the past, and uh, Marcos himself has recently hosted a webinar, uh, 60 Minutes to Migration Success, and we've got tons of content on our website about migrations. But I don't think we've ever covered it from the angle of having a kind of client perspective on it and the agency perspective. And though there's the common goal of essentially ensuring that traffic and users and conversions aren't effective, affected. There are kind of all of those um, hidden goals, hidden objectives, hidden obstacles, both agency side and client side, that I really wanted to explore today. So, uh, Jamie, thanks so much for taking the time for uh, coming on the podcast today. And Marcos, thanks for taking the time out again to appear here. I'm going to start with um, I'm going to start with you, Jamie, and kind of ask you to set the scene as much as you can remember i know it's been a while now but as much as you can remember from the the uh the context of coming into this this last migration so could you maybe just speak on a little bit what was the i guess what was the tone what was the scene what was the mood in the company coming up to this last migration yeah sure so um i guess the focal point for this migration was um a previous migration actually that happened shortly after I joined the business back in 2014 or 15 I think um, and that one didn't go particularly well to be fair um, it was a very different situation to the the more recent one that we're talking about now um, essentially it was a, a domain change as well as a platform migration a the URL structures entirely changed. Lots of content was changed all in one. Basically, everything that could be changed was was in one big bang. And, uh, yeah, needless to say, it didn't, it didn't, didn't go particularly well. So that was kind of in everybody's mind coming into this one, I think. Um, yeah, that, to, that makes sense. Like yeah. Having, having a, a previously difficult experience, and particularly with migrations, it makes you all the more nervous yeah. for the next one. Yeah, uh, and uh, was that something that you felt as well as the some uh, of the other kind of your peers in the company? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think migrations are always going to make people working in SEO a little bit nervous, um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to put it lightly. So, having seen what had happened before, it was really mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was really important for myself personally, and, and obviously for the rest of the business that we. We got it right, but it, it kind of worked in our favor because having had that previous experience, we, we were able to sort of demonstrate quite clearly what um, what can happen when things don't go right. And if you don't put SEO at the forefront of, of what we were trying to achieve with the migration, and that, that's what happened previously, it was, SEO was almost an afterthought, um, whereas coming into this one, 
uh, yeah, we, we absolutely uh, you know, had the support from the entire business, which was great to, to really put SEO front and center. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess um, a blessing, one blessing or one positive that you can take from a poor migration is the lessons that you learn from it for the next one. If you're yeah, particularly if you're lucky enough to be in the same company for a long enough time to see the next one through. Yeah. Um, um, you don't have to kind of talk about numbers that maybe you're not allowed to talk about or uncomfortable with, but you did touch on the previous migration. Had a, um, it was poor in, in terms of metrics, are we talking loss in traffic, loss in revenue? And maybe can you give me a range of how yeah. much you were experiencing after the first few months for the previous migration? Just yeah. to set the context. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, um, essentially, we we were we were running at a really – it was frustrating at the time as well because we'd, we'd recently seen some really huge growth in our sort of organic metrics. And we were, we were running at the highest point we, we ever had. And literally overnight from that migration, we, we pretty much halved our visibility. Oh, wow. Lost huge amounts of, um, you know, strong ranking positions. Uh, needless to say, that had a huge impact on, on traffic and revenue as well. Um, and we kind of, you know, with, with a migration, you kind of expect that you're going to see a bit of flux, you're going to see a bit of a drop, and then we we kind of anticipated that we would see an improvement but with the previous one we we just yeah we we halved our visibility and pretty much stayed like that for for a long time despite a lot of work to um to revive it so so the impact was huge on on the business yeah uh, yeah definitely if you're if anyone it doesn't matter the size of your website if your visibility is halved uh, you know, regardless of whatever visibility metric you're using. That's never a good thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, just before we go into some of the finer details of kind of how you guys work together and, and actually individually on planning the next migration, uh, can Jamie, can you just explain the decision, what kind of migration it was um, within the business and why you had decided to migrate? I think that's always interesting to people in marketing as well, kind of what was the trigger that, for this next migration? Sure, yeah. Um so primarily it was uh, a, a platform migration. So yeah. previously we were on, on a standard sort of out-of-the-box e-com platform um, and we we wanted to move to something much more bespoke. And so to the business took the decision to build the platform completely in-house, essentially. And I think that's for a lot of reasons, really. We... we we kind of outgrown the previous one in a in a pretty short space of time, and we we could tell that because we were constantly sort of hacking it around in order to make it work. Um, lots of processes that were kind of baked into the the previous platform were uh, difficult and time consuming. It was very hard to progress really you know mm. so yeah no the, the the reason i asked that question actually was because just having hear you talk about it is that there are different uh as listeners of this podcast know and anyone that's downloaded the content from our website there are different types of migration so sometimes it's just domain sometimes it's platform sometimes you people use the pl- uh, phrase migration for just kind of slight rebranding on a website yeah. but going through an entire platform migration is an entirely different beast because it's Yes, you have the SEO considerations and many of them, and some of them which will be unexpected. But it impacts um, in a company like Dunnell every department because everyone's got, I guess, new ways to use the website, new ways in which users are going to use the website, and considerations that uh, go far beyond SEO, which make it all the more challenging, I suspect. Absolutely. Yeah, like you say, there there isn't really a part of the business um, that doesn't get impacted by by this you know certainly from um anyone that works on the on the website side of things it's yeah every process has to be kind of reviewed and changed and it it was all for the best like i said i think we we got to a point where we could clearly see where we wanted to be in a few years time um and it just wasn't going to be possible on on that that old platform so yeah completely built in-house and a lot of a lot of time and effort and work went into um to getting there the the other thing that's quite interesting from the seo side was that we moved to um a single page application as well so, oh, yeah. um that was quite 
a little bit daunting actually at first for, for myself just because it, it was something I'd sort of read about but I didn't know an awful lot about and just didn't seem to be very good for SEO I guess was my first yeah. thoughts about it but um but obviously tons of other benefits to to it and, and this was this was the whole thing around the migration you know I'm I'm looking at it purely from an SEO side but there's tons more um considerations that have to be made and, and other people that uh need to have their their input yeah that's a really interesting point you that you made about the single page application because uh, as we talk through this uh, particular i guess case study or experience of this migration we'll find at the end that you know there were plenty of successes that came from it mm-hmm. and so although a single page applications are daunting particularly if you haven't been learning them or your current website isn't utilizing or isn't a single page application um you uh it's, it can still be a success is the key the key message that i'll kind of take from that part it just um it comes on to the part we're talking about next it's just with planning so um so you're given this message i assume that there's the, the platform migration um you then start to be involved in the internal discussions for you, Jamie, what are some of the first things that come to mind in terms of are there any clear cut mistakes that you think that you think you made in the previous migration that you wanted to avoid in the next one? Or was it just a case of you approaching it completely differently? What was your I guess what was your approach? Um, yeah, what did you want to avoid and what did you want to do differently? Yeah. Um so so personally, I mean I I wasn't <clears throat> as involved with the previous one as I wanted to be or should have been I think it was um the the horse had already bolted by the time I'd got there so it was right. gonna happen regardless and I think the biggest thing for me and the thing I think that hurt us the most previously was um just the amount of change that happened in one go and yeah. I think Google and, and search engines just couldn't couldn't cope with it really so I really wanted to keep that sort of scale of change down to a to a minimum um so the the plan for me was always that i wanted google to be crawling and indexing our pages and seeing our site one way the the day before launch and after we'd hit the button i wanted it to come back and okay see that the the site had essentially changed underneath but that you know the urls were exactly as they were before so we didn't hit any sort of indexing issues or crawling issues around that um that there weren't like parts of the site that were were blocked uh, that are now open and and we you know we saw a lot of over indexing issues previously for example Mm. i wanted to keep as much content the same and and you know this is all stuff that we want to improve and, and and you know make make the most of going forward but at that point, I think my message to the business was really just let's just keep as much as we can from from one point to the next um, static, essentially. And um, Marcos, bringing you into the conversation at this point, so you, you get word from the client that uh, there's going to be a migration. Typically, that's one of the first things that's said. You know, uh, we're planning on migrating, and I don't know in this scenario the the level of detail that you got initially, but maybe can you speak on? Uh, more generally what are you looking for from a client when they say that there's, there's going to be a migration what are the first things that cross your mind hi so for me the first things that i will consider when a client tells me that they're going to migrate is how is seo going to be involved in that migration because often the many clients uh, many developers think that the migration is just developing the new website finish on friday and launch it on monday and then, then on that short time, the the SEO has to uh, work their magic, sprinkle the, the SEO bits <laughs> on top of the website, and that's it. And that's not how migration works. Um, and with Dynamic, it was really good because from the beginning, they understood the, the implications for SEO, for their organic rankings, their organic traffic. And we were involved from the early stages of the migration. When they were discussing how to structure the website, uh, when they were discussing uh, the things that were going to change compared to the old website, I did a mini uh, training with the development team explaining how uh, search engines work and how search engines crawl and index websites. So that understanding probably came from the, the previous migration that Jamie was referring 
yeah. but it, it was that's that's the main thing. They need to understand that SEO doesn't come at the end. SEO is part of the process, and with Danone, they understood that from the beginning, and I think that was one of the 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 keys of the success of this migration. There you go. You heard it from uh, Marcos himself. It's um, you know, if you're listening and uh, maybe you're in a development team or maybe you're a business owner looking to migrate, um, you know, SEO isn't the thing that you bolt on at the end. That is uh, a horrible. Uh, there's a horrible experience if you're positioned in that in that position as an agency because you ultimately just can't do your best job. Um, so make sure that it's a part of the process from the moment that migration starts to cross your mind. Think about how um, how are we going to make sure that organic search doesn't suffer and actually that it benefits um, during a migration. On the on the um, the flip side of that point, uh, Jamie, I guess so. Again, word makes its way to you. You're involved in those discussions about a migration to a new platform. What are you then looking for from an agency? What's the, what are the first things that cross your mind in terms of support from um, Marcos and the team at Cybervisibility? Well, like Marcos said, you know, get, getting getting people like like Marcos involved at the earliest stage and able to go in front of lots of other stakeholders in the business, I think, was was a really important bit. And really hammer home the message of, of the importance. Okay, we we all kind of knew the importance anyway, but yeah. building those relationships and having people that you you trust that you work with, such as the guys, the whole team at Cybers, just able to reach out to other people in in the business and and talk to them, you know, openly about what things we would and wouldn't like to see from from an SEO side. And get involved with those discussions was was really important for for me, and mm. and I think just having people that you you know know their stuff, you know, and and being able to pick up the phone whenever. I mean, th- this migration went on, you know, the the um, the lead up to it, the the time we spent creating it, and and essentially, you know, I think it was about. I think I was working on it for a good two years before we actually launched. So you need people that you trust, really, <laughs> and that you yeah. you know that you can rely on. So you know, we, we were lucky that we'd worked with you guys already for a little while. We knew we knew you guys anyway, so that came pretty naturally for us. Yeah, I, I remember that our side. One of the key things, and that one of the key messages, because um, we were expecting we were expecting the nervousness around the migration because I think you had just joined us post migration with a previous company and just. Um, I think it maybe was six months to a year before after, oh, um, before you had joined us, and um, so we remember one of the first things you talking to us about was migrations, and then this one came along, and we were like, okay, so we know that they had a horrible experience before, so it was really our goal to <laughs> change that. And it's funny, one of my questions was going to be, and I, it's crazy how time flies, but one of my questions was going to be, how long did this process, this planning process, take before you launch? And you've just mentioned that it was about two years, so. It goes to show, and just for anyone out there that's listening, that you know, for you know, it's not going to be the case for every website that it's going to take that long. Uh, Dunelm is a, a very special case with many, many considerations to get right and lots at stake if it goes wrong. Um, but it, it, you know, it does it, it does highlight that if you are a kind of an e-commerce company, a retailer, high profile, lots of departments. It can take that long, but only not only can it take that long, it's worthwhile taking the time to get it right. Um, if I can say something here. Uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. It also shows how SEO was involved since the beginning. Because what they were doing at the beginning, two years before mm-hmm. launch, was starting to, to discuss how the new website is going to look. And SEO was involved in those conversations. And they, when they were starting to consider how the structure of the website will look, how the facet of navigation will look, SEO was involved in those conversations. So even if we were, mm-hmm. if we didn't have a website to crawl and to start uh, doing checks in there, we were involved in those conversations. And that's why it took that long. It, it, it wasn't like hardcore work from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was just meeting and working together and having those conversations that needed to happen before starting building the website. No, that's such an important point as well. And yeah, another another reason um, why uh, you want to put SEO from the forefront at the start, particularly if you're going to be, you know, you're going to be planning for a long period. Jamie, it's actually just something I want to come back to that you mentioned, which I think is a, a really important point as well. And I'm curious about actually two points. One that you mentioned, which was 
trust. Um, again, there's, there's no way to, uh, you have to be working with an agency for a while and yet, you know, trust can't be forced. So trust goes a long way with the migration. So that's, that's something that stood out to me that makes, that makes the migrations a lot easier. It's kind of irreplaceable. And the, the, the stakeholder conversation actually was really interesting. Is there anything that you both or, or both remember that might have been a good trigger where you thought, ah, oh, the, you know, the stakeholders, the senior figures in this company have really paid attention to this point. Was there any kind of turning point, anything that you did differently or anything that you just did for this migration that you thought, ah, oh, that resonated with them? I, th- I think one, one thing I did quite early on, which seemed to, to help and, did it with the support of Marcos and the team. Simple list of requirements. So this is one of the very first things I did, you know, two years before we, we sort of launched. So with, with this case, we're, we're building everything from scratch. So essentially, if, if, it's, if we're not saying what we want and how we want it to work, then it's probably not going to get looked at or it's not going to get done properly, should we say. I started making this list of requirements from every, you know, basic stuff that you would kind of take for granted, you know, just being able to set up redirects or to, um, you know, have a sitemap that's, that's created and, and or, you know, starting from the very basics. And this list, as you can imagine, just grew and grew and grew. And pretty quickly we had our sort of SEO requirements that we used as really the backbone of, of the work going forward. And I think having having done that early, we could then show the rest of the business that look, we, we, not only do we need to take this seriously because of we, we know what can happen when it goes wrong, but we've got a lot of work to do that spreads over so many different departments within the business, you know. Um, and that was that was a real... Uh, valuable tool and something that I could use to yeah to to show to the stakeholders. Oh, brilliant! No, that's a re- that's a really interesting answer. So, um, thanks, for that, Jamie. It's a really good advice for anyone out there that's kind of, I guess, one part of a migration that's always difficult. We talked about obviously, I guess we've made the point, you know, consider SEO from the start, but we haven't really talked about how. How can you do that, particularly in companies where you do have to kind of present or make that point to. Uh, to, to other people in the business. So that's really, uh, really interesting. This, um, this next question that I'm going to cover is, a uh, I imagine going to be quite difficult for you both just through memory. Um, and like you said, the amount of time that the migration has spanned, but, um, could you maybe, uh, and this is a question to either of you, I guess very shortly after within the initial three to six months after the migration, uh, after knowing that the migration was on the horizon, what planning did you start to put in place? So, you know, was this, was this just conversations at this stage? Did you start with any documentation, checklists, any uh, any specific focal points of the migration? Either of you have any memories from that part? Yeah, I, I think we had a, a well, I think no, I'm sure <laughs> we had a, a, a checklist uh, that we use for for all the migrations that we do outside visibility. But this one in particular, because it, it was bigger and we were involved since the beginning, it had to include more different elements and it had to include the, the learnings that Danone had from previous migrations. So we presented this uh, checklist with pre-migration planning, launch day planning and post-migration uh, or post-launch uh, activities and we take that to the now and we sat with Jamie and we discussed what else do we need uh, for this and we uh, we discussed how we envision this migration happening so we already had the skeleton uh, of the plan that we were going to uh, put in place for the migration hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Looking back at those planning items from that early stage, and kind of the, the the eventual results. What do you think helped most in terms of your your early stage planning? What do you think it it was that helped this one go smoother? I would say either the the meetings with the developers or, right, or yep. the the auditing that we had in place. We have a a strange way of auditing the the staging site because we were, we continue auditing. While, the, while they were building. So at the end, when we were close to, to launch, I was very familiar with the, web, with the new website, very familiar with how the different elements work because I have already audited them before. And we were aware that uh, those audits were not going to be definitive. We were aware that they were still working, but it just helped us to be aware of issues before they even happened. Okay, that's a really interesting point. So I get there's two points there, actually, Marcos, that stand out. So early stage access to the, the development site or the staging site, uh, number one. And then also it's, it seems like, because this doesn't always happen, but a direct contact and relationship with the developers that were working on the project. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree with, with both of those. I think um, team, teaming up, linking up the dev guys with, um, with the agency was... Um, was so important. It gave gave us all in the business a lot of peace of mind that the right things were happening at the right times and the right information was getting to the right people. And yeah, having the beta site as well, the, the allowing Marcos and the team into essentially the skeleton frame of, of what the new site was going to be at a really right. early point, again, just for peace of mind and to, to see that things were going on track was um yeah gave, gave everyone a lot of uh, a lot of confidence yeah actually thinking it through and going back to a previous point one thing that stands out to me i was thinking i was thinking to myself as you were talking both talking then you know why doesn't this happen for all migrations because <laughs> if it you know it makes it makes sense to get direct access to developers and to have access to you know whether it's um whether it's development sites, staging sites, beta sites, whatever you, whatever system you're working with, it just makes sense to give your agency or you know SEO professionals that you're working with access mm. to those yeah. um, those yeah, sites. Yeah. And, and the reason, right. yeah, the reason it do, the reason it doesn't always happen, from at least my perspective, sometimes is that there's I think there's a I could be wrong on this. I'd love to maybe grab a developer or you know in the future and get them on the on the show to talk from their angle on this, but. We, we've definitely crossed paths with development teams and development agencies in the past at Site Visibility who are they kind of are reluctant to get the SEO agency involved it, f- through the fear of prolonging a project. So you know the SEO people come in, they say change this, change that, and the development team just want to focus on you know typically whether it's the design, design, development, or functionality of a website. And so the SEO is, is seen as the the part that is kind of inconvenient. Um, but obviously, we're, we're we're speaking broader as a business here about the importance of for organic search and, and a big site like like Dunelm. If you do go that route and you do kind of ignore SEO as part of the process, it can have massive ramifications. So yeah, I mean, the, the biggest piece of advice that stands out from what you you both just said is uh, give your agency or give your SEO team early access, and um, and that can make communication a whole lot easier. And it sounds like. On the flip side, you've got to have a you've got to have a willing development team, and it sounds like you've got that at Dunelm as well. Yeah, that that's uh, absolutely true. Um, very you know, lucky in that sense that there wasn't. You touched on it then. There's sometimes a bit of sort of friction, I guess, or, or 
maybe lack of understanding of what we're all, all trying to achieve. But the point is, we're all, we're all kind of trying to achieve the same thing, right? So it doesn't exactly it shouldn't yeah. really sit separately. It's just getting getting that SEO view of things kind of baked in as early as possible. Okay, so um, I mean, we've talked a lot about planning. Um, but at some point in time, uh, you have to launch the thing. Um, and so could you explain to me, and this is a question for you both again, um, your respective roles on launch day. So you launch, what systems do you have in place and what are you both looking out for? And I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think you were both together on launch day. That's that's right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So many nightmares go into, into launch day, right? <laughs> yeah. I remember speaking well, with Damien and not being able to sleep. The, the week. I was going to say, Mark main role was just to calm me down and uh, make, make sure I was okay. <laughs> yeah, so Marcos was in a supportive role. I meant, yeah, a therapy role. Uh, so, Marcos, you didn't you didn't sleep, but um, w- what did you do on the on the first day of launch? So, um, we both were in in London. We both were uh, in the Denham's offices, uh, Jamie and I. And we were in there for three days. We stayed in London uh, for three days before launch just to make sure that everything was in place. It, it was three hectic days, but, but very satisfying when you, when you look back because we were working hand-to-hand with the developers, with other teams that I haven't met before because apart from developers, there, there were so many other stakeholders. So mm. we were like, doing a bit of everything those days. I don't think that we have like uh, specific roles, each of us. Uh, we were just testing the, the staging site, updating the redirect map, making sure the sitemap was correct, crawling here, crawling there, having conversations with the developers, a lot of awkward conversations the day before launch. So it was a, a bit crazy, but it was there was a lot of hard work and teamwork in there. So it, it was good at the end. I don't know, what do you think, Jamie? Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. It was, I mean, it's all a bit of a blur for me now, to be honest. But we, like you say, a lot of last minute checks, I think. We did, we had a, a pretty solid checklist of things we wanted to do. There was, yeah, a few times where we spotted last minute things we weren't quite sure about or hadn't seen at that point. Because, I mean, we the development teams were working right up to the wire, really. So there are a few few last hurdles to jump, but luckily nothing nothing that sort of stopped us from from launching. So yeah, I guess our roles really on the day were just to to keep our eyes on on everything that we could and uh, act as a sort of early early warning system if if anything seemed out of place. What sort of metric? A couple of questions here for you both. What tools were you using? I think that's always interesting. What you know? What tools were your saviors and your best friends at this time? And um, what metrics were you looking at or uh, within those tools or just in general uh, on launch day and around launch time? Um, so from, from my side, I was, so from the day that we launched, I'd built a, like a daily tracker, I called it, which pulled in lots of different uh, metrics from different tools that we use. So um, one one tool in particular that was really helpful for me was um, Pi Data Metrics. Um, so yeah. shout out to those guys because those that that tool, in my opinion, is pretty impressive. Um, and and the good thing that gave us was a daily view, a daily sort of snapshot of our ranking positions and and visibility. And we can cre- create our own sort of um, Dunham's a very sort of category based. Um, company yeah so we we often track every individual category as well as the whole so so we were able to do that at a keyword level and on a daily basis which was really really helpful just in telling the story back to the business of of how our how we feel the migration was going and and those initial those first sort of couple of weeks you know the impact it was having um so that that was really good and then yeah, I'm sure Marcos used used a lot of uh, other tools as well. Yeah, I was more focused on the technical elements. Uh, so Screaming Frog was my best friend during those days. Yeah, and I, I even had uh, Paul Hesket, our account director, uh, testing canonical tags in Screaming Frog. 
uh, on <laughs> the, day, the day before launch. Um, See, so yeah, I, I used Screaming Frog, I used Deep Crawl, and I was more focused on the the actual state of the of the website because I knew that uh, Jamie had an eye on the the other metrics in terms of uh, traffic and revenue and all those things. So I just wanted to make sure that uh, what was on the on the site on the launch date was visible, that it was fast, uh, that it was usable, and that there was no technical issue, and that all the redirects were in place. And again, I checked those with take those with uh, Screaming Frog. You've actually just touched on as you were talking there, Marcos. The you talked. I can't remember the phrase you used, but you said kind of visible. Um, so I guess then we're talking because there are always those embarrassing things. You just, I guess you, you talk about not being able to sleep. There are those nightmare scenarios that play out in your mind. And the very first one is that um, you've got the site de-indexed. And so I guess you're looking out for no index tags is number one. You've just talked about canonical tags there. So you're looking out for those. Are there any other things that come to mind that you're kind of really looking out for? You're like, oh, that cannot go wrong. Yeah, I think you mentioned page speed the there. Robot 60, making sure the robot's TXT plays. What else? Um, I think you touched on the main things. Uh, we also had a specific Google Search Console account for the beta site, and we allowed access uh, to Google to the beta site, which, which was a bit scary uh, because we didn't know what was going to happen. But luckily, uh, Google was able to see some pages. We, we were able to see how Google was seeing those pages before we even launched it. Um, so yeah, a uh, lot of testing, a uh, lot of different tools. Mm. I have mentioned Screaming Frog, Deep Crawl, Google Search Console. Uh, those were the main ones for me. Mm-hmm. And and when you were finding issues, whether it was kind of usability issues or SEO issues on launch day, uh, did you have, where did you put those? Where did you communicate those to? Were they in some kind of platform, some software? Are we talking a massive Excel spreadsheet? We had a, a shared document where we're putting uh, any issues that we found. And even before we launched, we knew what type of issues we were going to find because we have already audited the website so many times. We have already been working on it for so long. And we were aware that there were going to be issues when we launched, but the, uh, we were able to minimize those issues and we were able to identify them before they even happened on the live site. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, um, was there uh, before we move on to kind of post-launch and the results of this migration? Was there outside of SEO for your customers and just the users of your website? Uh, were there any? Uh, I guess was there any communication in place to customers about what they might expect on the website post-launch? There, there was, but we didn't make a big song and dance about it. Really, we we knew that the the site would look a little different but it wasn't a complete redesign and rebrand. Um, so we didn't feel we needed to say an awful lot directly to our customers. We did, as Marcos touched on, we, we gave... One of the things I think really helped us actually was we, we had our, our beta site. So the, the site was essentially um, built on a, on a separate domain and we, we actually started sending small amounts of paid traffic to the beta site rather than our main Dunelm site to understand how customers uh, reacted on, on the site, really. And we did put messaging around, you know, if a customer, I think it was, we're talking very, very small percentage of, of customers that would land on, on a beta site or on a beta page. And we did communicate then that, you know, you are on a beta site. Um, if you want to go back to the normal one, click here kind of thing. Um, that gave us really interesting insight, actually, just around, you know, all the metrics that you'd expect to look at, bounce rates and engagement rates. Okay. And so... Uh, the, the site's launched, you've gone through your testing and then eventually there comes a day where it's not launched anymore and it, you're in post-launch kind of mode from there. Um, for you, Jamie, just from the client side, what questions are you being asked by stakeholders? What are you monitoring post-launch and how long are you monitoring? What are you looking out for in the months post-launch? So 
I guess the main the main things that I'm being asked really around those top level metrics that matter most to the business, you know, around traffic and, and conversion rates, and that tracker that I built that, that gave us a daily view of it really helped to communicate that. I think the other thing that I was always asked was how long the impact of the migration was was going to last. You know, I'd, I'd been quite clear that mm. even you know, best case scenario, I think we're going to see a bit of um, probably a drop in visibility or some impact on, on traffic and revenue. So I was kind of constantly asked how long that would be. And I'm sure anyone working in SEO can sort of sympathize. It's a, it's always a difficult question to to answer. But, you know, based on advice from, from Marcos and, and the team and, um, you know, from, from my own experience and just looking around, we, we gave ourselves a, a kind of 12-week window from launch to to bounce back, if you like, to, to come back to our, our previous levels of, of traffic and and, um, and revenue, etc. So that was the, the answer we gave from that. That was our aim, if you like. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think uh, with, a, with a site of your size, but also just in general, three months is a good benchmark to give yourself to know. After three months, you can pretty much tell the signs are there, whether things have gone right or wrong from a top level. And and then the hardest part, as you said, is, uh, and that's a really difficult question to answer in a, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, I guess we'll get to this, but the, how long do the effects of a migration last and how can you truly know when you're through it? But I guess the, you know, thinking back to our earlier conversation is that, uh, uh, you know, you're never really through a migration because there's, you, you were talking previously about coming into this migration, you still had lessons to learn from the previous one. So there's always carryover. There's always stuff that, you know, is never going to be 100%. And at some point, migration activity becomes your business as usual activity. It becomes your daily plan. It becomes your technical roadmap and just things to sort for the future. So, yeah, I mean, just my recommendation from what it sounds like for working on a site of your site, that, you know, there aren't going to be too many sites bigger than yours, um, you know, for our listeners, is that... um, yeah, three months is a good benchmark to give yourself to know whether things have gone, you know, drastically right or wrong. But beyond that, don't maybe just don't pressure yourself or your SEO professionals to on the question of how long will this migration activity last? Because there are always elements of a migration that will just move gradually into your technical roadmap and become the plan for the future. And actually, on that note, were there, were there any surprises um, post-launch? Things that you just, despite your planning, you you maybe hadn't covered, hadn't realised that it became part of your technical roadmap to fix in the future? Anything that stands out? No, I'm struggling. I was if not, that's fine. It's fine, right? Yeah, if not, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, if not, that's fine. That means there's some really thorough planning there. Uh, I was just really curious. Marcos also alluded to a moment ago, he said there was a there was a, uh, there was was an interesting discussion with the developers the day before launch, and I wondered if that made its way into the kind of future plans. No, no, not exactly. I mean, we were aware of the weaknesses of the new platform, and we have already considered those mm. uh, to be part of the future SEO roadmap. Uh, mm. The conversations the day before launch were about internal redirects and navigation and things like that. Uh, but it was oh. just uh, business as usual. Yeah. Okay, so um, so Marcos, Jamie's talked about some of his, I guess, his daily tracker and the top level figures that he's reporting on. But for those three months post migration, can you speak a little bit on, I guess, what you're doing on a daily or weekly basis in those three months? Yeah, I have a very similar uh, daily tracker. I think that uh, Jamie was more focused in in business results. I was more focused on the in the state of the website. Make uh, I was looking at indexation how uh, Googlebot was accessing the website. I was looking at doing weekly crawls to make sure that everything was still there, making sure that redirects were still there, because sometimes by doing uh, maintenance after the migration, you can break something else. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Indexation was good, apart from the, the usual uh, fluctuation the days after the, the launch. Um, and just making sure that everything was still working as as expected. And and so um, in terms of every, everything working as expected, moving on to the, the results of this 
um, migration. I'm going to ask you, Jamie, again, whatever you're kind of comfortable and can share from the business. But um, yeah, what were the results after that three month period? What are you reporting on to the rest of your business? And um, ultimately, why was it deemed a success? Well, I mean, I think the first point was it, uh, that showed that it was a success was that 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 twelve week period just wasn't. We didn't need anywhere near that amount of time to to recover. I mean, we saw we saw the sort of expected mm. drop in in our visibility, but it was pretty small um, compared to what we'd mapped out as sort of a. a a bad or a, I did a sort of good, bad and ugly uh, view of what could happen, you know? And um, yeah, we exceeded expectations massively on in that. And I think within, within four weeks, I think I'm right in saying Marcos, we, we'd already got back to pretty much where we were in terms of visibility. And what the great thing was, is that things like um, conversion rate and the, revenue particularly was actually almost overnight improved um you know i think we had a couple of weeks where it was a bit touch and go but the site was clearly performing um a lot better than the old one and uh you know it kind of justified all the work that everyone had put into it um almost straight away because it it was just yeah a, a, a lot better <laughs> And I guess Marcos, from you, in terms of uh, you, you've probably been through good and bad migration. I know actually before we um, before we press uh, record today, you were talking to me about some struggles with a current migration that you're working on. So you've been through it all with migrations. This seems to be a standout one in terms of your career today, of one that you enjoyed and uh, the best results in terms of migration. Yeah, it was on. probably the most complicated migration uh, in terms of the size, in terms of the changes that they were making instead of creating a new website from scratch. Uh, but it was also the best planning that we have ever done. And it was also the, the best results. So although it was stressful on the weeks leading to the launch of the new website, it was also very satisfying. And I was very happy with the results. I'm very happy uh, seeing that the guys at the now understood where we were coming from and they were happy with the results as well. So overall, very happy. A question for both of you, just in closing on today's podcast, having been through such a thorough process, having talked and planned extensively for such a long time, I appreciate this is difficult, but going into your next migrations, uh, what lessons did you take from this one, which you're going to apply to the future to make the next migration in your career even better? I guess, starting with you, Marcos. So what I will say to any SEOs that are listening is to help your clients, help developers understand where SEO is coming from and to help them understand how SEO can be impacted by a bad migration and how SEO can help uh, boosting a website after a migration. Because you need to be confident in telling them that uh, SEO needs to be involved from the beginning and the and that there needs to be some some space, some time between the the finish, the finishing of the staging site or of the new website and the launch, because the SEOs not only have to uh, test the website while uh, while it's being created, but then there there also needs to be a, a space of time where we just test the website, so the website is completed, and we just need to jump in, test it, try it. Uh, make sure that it works as, as as expected before launch. And yeah, likewise for yourself, Jamie. What what um, lessons are you taking into your next migration? I mean, the whole thing was just a huge, <laughs> a huge lesson. Really, I think working on anything mm-hmm. like that, there's there's so much of it that I will will carry on, and I think has given me a lot of experience in in how to how to manage a project like this from an SEO side. Uh, there's always going to be things that you look back on and think maybe we could have done that or put more time into it. But again, you know, there's not a lot here that I would change, which is testament to, to, I think the, the people I've worked with, you know, Marcos and the team, um, but also the business. um, I think, um, you know, anyone going into this process, I think 
if you can get the backing of of your the people around you and communicate the importance of of getting things right first time and, and not as we've said not having seos and afterthought then you're already on the right track i think in my opinion mm-hmm. brilliant uh, that's a great closing message jamie so thanks for that um so yeah before i wrap up um i'm just going to uh, if there's any anywhere people can connect with you marcos where can people find you um you can find me on the site disability website you go to the team uh, page and i'll be there my email address is marcos.martin at sitevisibility.com. You can also find me in uh, Twitter and LinkedIn as Marcos Alvarez Martin. And for you, Jamie? Um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn or drop me an email if, if anyone has any questions around any of this stuff. Jamie.watson at dunelm.com. I'd say usually you could find me in the pub, but obviously lockdown, we're not... Um, well, we've only got a few days left Soon. until we... Till we can again. So, by the by, the time it's launch, Jamie will be in the in the pub. Absolutely, <laughs> he knows me well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, for our listeners, you can find all the show notes at sitevisibility.co.uk. If you're looking for an agency for support with your migration, obviously message us. And um, I don't know if you're a, an SEO professional, a business owner, you're going through a migration, or you know someone that is listen to this episode there's some key lessons here some of which i'll outline in the show notes but um hopefully that's given you a really good insight into what it's um some of the successes and struggles in managing um a huge uh, migration for one of uh, the uk's biggest retailers um jamie marcos thank you so much for your time and uh, for sharing your experience with us and um yeah look forward to the next time take care bye-bye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.